0: Once again, it's a joy to turn to God's Word together this morning, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, where we find ourselves entering the final chapter of this letter, chapter 6. And if you are just joining us, we're in the midst of Paul's discussion of how our relationships are transformed by the Gospel, when we are filled with God's Spirit particularly as we submit to one another as God has called us to do. In the past two weeks, we've been looking at the marriage relationship and seen God call husbands to sacrificially love and lead our wives for our wives' sake. And God's call to wives to joyfully submit to and to support their husbands for their husbands' sake, so that together as each one dies to themselves out of obedience to God, together they might picture Christ in the church as God has called us to do in marriage. But this morning, we're turning to another relationship. This morning, we turn to look at the relationship between children and parents. And once again, for both children and parents, we find a relationship that is to be marked by dying to ourselves for the sake of Christ, out of obedience to God, to live as God has called us to do as Christ and His death for us continues to be our pattern and our motivation. But let's read Paul's words to children and parents, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is God's word for us. Let's pray. God, how we thank you that you've given us your word, such practical advice to us as children and parents. We pray that your word would Call to us, it would convict us of sin and call us to obedience that we might honor you and glorify you and our families, that your name might be glorified. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As a church, Westminster has long partnered with Water Street Mission in Lancaster City. And we've partnered with Water Street in a number of different ways, but one thing that we've historically done is send one of our members once a month to give a chapel address to the residents. I was there several years ago giving a Friday night chapel talk, and as part of my talk, I remember using an example of fathers and their care for their children. It's a biblical analogy and fit uh, the text that we were talking about. But I still remember one of the residents who came up to me afterwards, and he looked at me and he said, "I, I don't mean to be critical but you should probably not talk about fathers around here. He said, given my experience, the minute someone starts talking about fathers, I shut down. And the idea of comparing God to a father is the last thing that would ever make me want to know God or follow Him. And this was a sharp reminder to me that just as we saw with marriage, the relationship between parents and children while created by God as good, has been marred by sin and the fall. As our sin and selfishness leads parents and children to sin against one another and hurt one another and even at times to abuse our roles or to fail in our callings. But Paul's word to us in Ephesians this morning is that in Christ, God is remaking us by the power of His Spirit. And so just like marriage In Christ, the Spirit of God is restoring our ability to live as God intends us to live in our families. So here in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul describes for us God's pattern, calling children to obey and honor their parents, and calling parents to lovingly disciple their children for the Lord's sake. I want to look at each of these this morning. So we start with God's word to children. And I think that's a big deal, children, if you're here. And I hope you're looking at your Bibles if you are. Because I want you to note that the Bible does not say, parents, tell your children to obey you. No, the Bible speaks directly to you. God is talking directly to you as part of His church. And so if you're here this morning as a child or a student, I'm glad you're here. God's Word is speaking to you. Now, All children, of course, ought to respect and honor their parents throughout their entire lives. And so anyone with living parents ought to reflect on what it means to respect and honor our parents. But, of course, there's a a change in relationship from when we are in the home to when we move out of the home. And here the word for children particularly refers to a son or a daughter who is living in the home and is under the parent's authority. So, whether you're in elementary school or high school, God's word this morning has two particular words for you. You are called to obey your parents and honor your parents. Now, to obey your parents is a call to action. What will you do in response to the direction and discipline of your parents? To honor your parents has to do with your attitude. How will you think of them and respond to them with your tone of voice, with your words, and in your heart? In fact, maybe right up front, students, you could pause and evaluate how you're doing in these areas. Maybe you could ask yourself, do you obey your parents? Or do you sneak behind their back? Do you cross boundaries and hide it, or even openly resist their direction? And how is your attitude do you do what you have to, but add in a plethora of eye rolls, the classic, ugh, mom, every time you're asked to do anything? Or maybe you're willing to do it, but only after a thorough argument first. Of course, students, you can always ask your parents questions. You can discuss a rule or decision, but it must always be done with respect and with humility and with obedience in the end, unless your parents are asking you to do something unbiblical in fact maybe some of you might consider whether you have things to ask your parents to forgive you for even this afternoon but i want you to notice that the bible gives you several reasons for why you should obey and honor your parents the bible if you have your bibles open says in verse 1 for this is right meaning that this is how god created it god's created pattern is that children should obey and honor their parents But then Ephesians adds the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, reminding you that God specifically commands you in His Word to honor your parents. And so God's created pattern and God's Word both call you to obey your parents. And notice that the reason children are to obey their parents has nothing to do with whether your parents are awesome or profoundly unawesome. It has nothing to do with whether you understand Their rules. Some of you know that I am a particular fan of Calvin and Hobbes, and I was reminded as uh, I was thinking this week of one strip where Calvin is genuinely baffled and completely unable to understand why his parents did not only not appreciate but actually punished him for his record setting burp at the dinner table. Some of you might be equally mystified by some of your parents' rules and responses. But that is not the question in front of you. The question for you is, will you obey your parents? Because obeying your parents is part of obeying God. In fact, Leviticus 19 says, Every one of you shall revere his father and mother, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourself gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. In other words, honoring your parents belongs right next to making idols and statues and worshiping idols. Not worshiping idols. They belong together as two key ways that God's people will demonstrate that the Lord is their God. And 2 Timothy 3 adds disobedient to parents is one of the marks of the rebellious and godless age that God will punish along with the arrogant, the brutal, and the lovers of self. And so children, we are called to obey our parents as part of the way that we obey God. Now, of course, no child is perfect. We know that every one of us is going to sin against our parents at times, but the question is, do you ask God and your parents to forgive you Or do you harbor anger and build up a pattern of resisting your parents and their instruction as God calls them to do? But I want you to also notice that obeying your parents is not only God's command to you, it's not only part of how we obey God, but it's also God's plan for blessing. Notice that Paul says in verse 2 that this command is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, the point here is not a specific promise that if you obey your parents, you will live to a riper and older age. It's a general promise that obeying your parents leads to the path of blessing. That there is peace and stability for those who follow God's plan by honoring their parents. This is why Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, I realize for those of you who are students that graceful garlands for your head may not be the appropriate accessories in 2021, but I think you understand the point that listening to and obeying your parents in the Lord will give you a grace and a beauty and a blessing that will be noticeable to all. So the call to obey and honor your parents is God's created pattern, it's God's calling to you in His Word, and it's the path of blessing. In light of this, I have two words of application for you, students. First, you have to remember that your parents are sinners. Sometimes I think, as students, we act like we're entitled to perfect parents. We can't believe our parents would be unfair. We can't believe our parents would get angry at us. They can't believe they'd be so out of touch with the world in 2021. And parents will be all of these things at times, because everybody gets sinful parents. But this is not a reason or an opportunity for you to grumble or complain or rebel against them. Instead, it is actually an opportunity for you to forgive your parents just as Christ has forgiven you. And it's an opportunity for you to recognize how you have also sinned against your parents, and added to the conflict that may be there. It's also a reminder that God has put you in this specific family, with these parents, and God is sovereignly at work in you right where He has you. And it's a reminder that God's call to you is once again a call to die to yourself and your desires to honor and obey your parents out of obedience to the Lord. Because ultimately, again, this is not primarily about obeying your parents, it's about pleasing your Savior As Paul says in Colossians 3, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Second word of application for you. The best way to have a better relationship with your parents is by pursuing Jesus. And this is true for two reasons. First, it's true because Christ's Spirit strengthens you to obey your parents and also gives you joy and contentment in him even when things are difficult in your family. Only God's Spirit can enable you to deny yourself and obey him by honoring your parents. But this is also true because your parents will be able to trust you more when they see you putting Jesus first in your life. You know, particularly for you who are teens, You face a a challenge at your stage in life. You're growing in responsibility and independence, and yet you're still under your parents' authority. And during this time in life, a huge part of your relationship with your parents is trust. If you push your parents' boundaries and are not fully honest with them, you will lose trust with your parents. And because of their concern and lack of trust of you, they will respond with more limits and restrictions which can cause you to push back against the boundaries even more, which will cause them to put more limits on and down the spiral you go. But on the other hand, when your parents can see that you are genuinely pursuing Christ and seeking to obey Him, this builds trust because they know your heart is open to the Lord and to the guidance of His Word. And So the best way to improve your relationship with your parents is to pursue Jesus with your whole heart Mind, soul, and strength. So, children, teens, is God at work in your heart and in your life? Do you want to please the Lord? If so, obey and honor your parents. Action and attitude. This is God's call for you this morning. But, parents, Paul turns immediately to address you next. In verse 4, Paul writes Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, some of you might be wondering, first off, why Paul addresses fathers here and doesn't mention mothers as well. On the one hand, since both parents have clearly been addressed in every verse of this section, Paul's instructions certainly apply to both fathers and mothers. In fact, just like brothers is a collective word for the church at times, so this word for fathers can be a collective word for parents. But there's also a particular responsibility that fathers bear for the discipline and instruction of their children in the Lord. And Paul seems to be highlighting that here in verse 4. So it will be best for both parents to be guided by this verse, but fathers to particularly take it to heart. Well, Paul first gives us a warning, parents. Do not provoke your children to anger. Now, to provoke is to incite or to encourage, or to do things that cause anger. Much like my neighbor growing up incited the wasps when he snuck up on their nest, put a trash can under it, and snipped it off the tree branch. They were incited to anger, I assure you. As parents, we can provoke our children in many ways through unreasonable demands, harsh responses, favoritism, ridicule, ignoring them or even overindulging them we can also provoke them when we call things call them to do things that we aren't doing ourselves we tell them to work hard stay focused and stay off screens and then we get sucked into our phone or tell them we don't have time for them right now because we need a break we yell at our kids without any self-control ourselves because they were foolish and lacked self-control in that instance Famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, speaking about this verse, said to parents, What right have you to say to your child that he needs discipline when you obviously need it yourself? We call children to repent and apologize, but we don't confess and seek their forgiveness when we sin against them. I think at times we can also provoke our kids by failing to recognize the impact our decisions have on them. How will they be treated? What will they miss out on? Sometimes we make very wise rules but administer them very unwisely and without compassion or understanding. So instead of provoking our children, Paul calls us to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And this verse gives us three aspects of godly parenting. The first is the imperative, bring them up. The verb literally means to nourish or to feed in order that they might grow. It brings into my mind the image of a farmer, perhaps, who's raising a particular pumpkin for the largest pumpkin in the farm show contest. He doesn't just plant a seed and leave it there. No, he works day by day, week by week, to prune the plant, to feed the pumpkin, to isolate it, to give it every effort that he can so that it will grow as large and healthy as possible. Well, parents, in similar ways, we're not just called to plant a seed and then leave it, but to nourish our children daily with what they need to grow in the discipline and instruction of the Lord that they might become the men and women that God has created and called them to be. And parents are to nourish their children primarily through discipline and instruction. To bring children up in the discipline of the Lord is to bring them up in the school of the Lord. The word translated discipline here includes punishment or discipline, but it really is the word for school or training. So, of course, it will include what Proverbs says, that he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. But it will involve more than that. It involves the picture of a, of a, of a coach who might train an Olympic athlete. They would daily observe, coach, correct, help in order to disciple their children toward the goal for us, it's the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. After all, our children don't belong to us. They are the Lord's. And we have been called to disciple His children while they are in our care. To instruct, then, is to teach or pass on the truths of God and His Word. And here, I think, we come to the very heart of God's plan for parenting. Look back through the pages of Scripture And what do you find? That while God in His sovereign mercy can call people at any age of life and does call people at every age of life, and also that some who receive all of God's blessings still turn away from Him, while both of those are true, we see that God has particularly ordained that His kingdom will grow as parents pass down the Word of God from one generation to the next. Deuteronomy 4, nine. only take care, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Make them known to your children and your children's children, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth, and that they may teach their children as well. Deuteronomy 6.7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Psalm 78, we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Students, if you feel like your parents are constantly talking about God and His Word, it is only because they are trying to obey God's instruction to them. And parents, this is our central task. Our central task, not to make our children Christians. Only God's Spirit can do that. Not to make them well-behaved. Threats and rewards can make well-behaved children without touching their heart or soul. Not to make them successful, as if setting our children up for a college scholarship is our main task. Those are all good ends to work for, but our central task is to be faithful, to pass down the truths of God and of His Word to our children as we wait for His Spirit to work in their hearts. So parents, I wonder if I can suggest a few applications for us as well. First, we need to remember that our kids are sinners. You know, we should expect them to sin and patiently respond to them with the same measure of patience that the Lord responds to us when we sin against Him. And I think about when we teach maybe our daughter, say, to ride a bike. We expect her to fall often, to fail many times, maybe even to scrape us up a bit in the process. We're trying to teach her something that she doesn't know how to do. And yet, for some reason, we don't have the same patience when our kids fail to act with godliness and fail in the pursuit of, of holiness and maybe even hurt us with their sin in the process. We can't believe they would act that way. I can't believe they've messed up again. And we start to catastrophize, fearing that their patterns of sin mean they're headed for jail or a lifetime of narcissism, or at least that they're going to embarrass us as parents. But we forget the path of our own sanctification. We forget what we were like and all that we went through. We forget what the path of our own sanctification still looks like and our sin and failures before the Lord. And so remember, your children's sin is an expected opportunity to point them to Christ who is at work in their hearts and who alone is the Redeemer they need. And their sin is also an opportunity to remember ourselves the ways that we sin against them and to ask their forgiveness in the process. Well, second word of application to parents, we need to remember that we have been given a high and a holy calling with eternal consequences. We have been called to be teachers in a school that is in session 24-7 for at least 18 years. Rachel Jankovic in her book, Fit to Burst, talks of watching a documentary about gathering gold dust off the floor of the Bering Sea. In the Bering Sea, there are not nuggets of gold on the sea floor, but there is a fine layer of dust that covers the whole thing. And as they uh, suck up the silt, they can melt down the gold and find something of great value. Well, she says, as parents, our goal is to lay down such a fine layer of gold dust, of wisdom and of God's word over every part of our children's lives. What we'd really like to do as parents sometimes is to just drop the nuggets of gold when it's convenient for us. To drop down the nugget and the task is done. But that's not the way it works. All areas of life need to be constantly sprinkled with gold. As Jankovic puts it, as our children grow, this gold-flecked foundation is being laid and it's happening all the time with every one of our responses Provision, acts of love, and correction. But so often, our opportunities to bless our children come when we least feel like it or are least prepared for it. You are busy trying to accomplish something really important right now. You're rushing out the door to get to church on time. You just need a little break yourself. And that's when your child needs love and correction and guidance or care. But, parents, this is our calling. We are to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that means all the time. Because at root, once again, God's call to parents is a call to die to ourselves out of obedience to Him. That we might lay this layer of gold dust over their lives as ambassadors for Christ to our children. Well, As we come to an end, maybe I could finish with a word to grandparents You know, from what I can tell at this point in my life, which is zero grandparenting experience, it seems that grandparents have a unique challenge. You deeply care for your children and your grandchildren. You deeply desire for them what is right and good. But it has become abundantly clear that you no longer have any control over them whatsoever. Of course, the amount of control we really had as parents was somewhat illusory as well, but the illusion is fully gone now. And so what do you do when it feels like there is nothing you can do? Well, God gives you two words of instruction. First, Psalm 78 specifically talks about telling your children's children of the works of the Lord. Grandparents, you have an ongoing opportunity to talk of Christ and the faithfulness of God whenever you can. In addition, you have an opportunity to demonstrate faith in Christ. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul talks to Timothy and mentions that he first saw faith in Jesus in the life of his grandmother, Lois. Grandparents, God can bless the example and the sowing of His Word in your grandchildren's lives. And second, you can pray. Prayer is not what you do when you can't do anything else. Prayer is the first thing that God has given you to do. And our prayers never come before the throne of grace without bearing fruit. Now at times it may feel like they bear no fruit. And it may be that the Lord will not answer one of your heart's desires and the counsel of his will. That may be the case. But the prayers of God's people are never without effect. God has invited you to the throne of grace and says that he works through your prayers. And I think that when we get to heaven, though we cannot see it now, we will see abundant, hundreds and thousands fold fruit from the prayers of grandparents and the lives of the generations that follow. So do not despair, but continue to pray as you wait on your heavenly Father for the sake of your grandchildren. Well, these are practical instructions for us, aren't they? But all of this comes back to the gospel. Because what could possibly give any of us As students, the ability to obey and honor sinful and imperfect parents when we're sinners ourselves. It's only the love of Christ who has died for us and called us to honor and obey our parents in order to please Him. And what could possibly give parents the ability and the motivation to patiently continue to discipline and love and correct our children day after day without exasperation, even in the face of our own sin? Only the love of Christ, who has died for us and called us to give up our lives to train our children in the instruction of the Lord. For both parents and children, our only hope is to confess our own sins first and to trust in the death of Jesus Christ in our place for forgiveness and new life, so that we might be changed by the power of the gospel and God's Spirit at work in us. But it comes with a promise. As we look to Him, we will be filled with His Spirit and we will be enabled to live a gospel-shaped life as parents and children to the glory of His name and as a testimony to the power of the gospel for the watching world. Let's pray. God, our God, how we pray that You would be at work in us. Father, if there is anyone here this morning who has not looked to You and confessed our sin, and our desire to live life our way, and sought the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and put our trust in you, I pray that they might do so this morning. For each one of these calls, as children, as parents, to walk in life is to walk the way of the cross, and we can only do that through the power of Christ and of his Spirit. And we pray, Father, that you would use the families in our church as an example to the world of families that are transformed by the gospel, that they might ask about the reason for the hope that we have. And we pray that this would all be to the glory of your name. We pray it through Christ our Savior. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania.